Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth about the coming judgment. The lake of fire is described as the place of eternal torment. Listen closely, okay? He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. And they have no rest day and night who worship the beast in his image, so on and so forth, okay? If you don't know Jesus Christ, this is what awaits you. Why, why would you want to go there? Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The book of Titus tells us that the demons know of Jesus and His power, but they're so blinded by their hatred that they continue to fight. Well, in every battle there is collateral damage, and in this case it's those who choose to believe the lies of Satan over the truth that can be found in the Word of God. Today, as he continues his study in the book of Revelation, Pastor Xavier paints a bleak picture of the judgment that awaits those who choose not to follow God's plan for eternity. Revelation chapter 20, we're going to look from verse 1 all the way to chapter 21, verse 8. The message is entitled, The Eternal State. We have seen that the millennial age is literally a thousand years. Jesus will rule as king, priest, and prophet. Now, after the millennial kingdom, there is to be what's called the eternal state. But there must be a purging of three things prior to the eternal state. And that's what we want to look at so we see how it moves on from the millennial. First is the judgment of Satan. Second is the judgment of the unbeliever. And then thirdly is the judgment of the earth. Those three things take place for the eternal order to come in. Now, notice in verse 1, Satan has been bound for a thousand years in this section. And in verse 1, the time is at the beginning of the millennium. It says, then I saw an angel coming down from heaven. Then when? After the millennial. Having the keys of the bottomless pit and a great chain, and he is bound. He has his key in his hand. So, Chapter 20 describes the millennial kingdom, and here at the beginning of the millennial kingdom, this angel comes and takes Satan, and he's going to bind him, okay? Now, notice also, when you get to verse 3, that the time is to remove the devil's influence. That's what it's for, because he clearly says there, and to cast him into the bottomless pit, and to shut him up, and to set a seal on him, so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. Once again, thousand years. But, here's the contrast, after these things, he must be released for a little while. This is at the end of the millennium. So, in a, in a one great sweep, panoramic sweep, we get from the beginning when he is bound to the end of the thousand years when he's released. Okay? When it comes to verse 7 to 9, Satan will lead his final rebellion because he's released. Verse 7, now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison. And look at verse 8. And will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sands of the sea. Not a few. The majority of them, really. Now look at verse 9. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. So the place of attack is Jerusalem, the beloved city. Because during the thousand-year reign, the millennial kingdom, 
Jerusalem's the capital, right? So this is where their attack is. And the plight of Satan and his followers is defeat, as fire comes down from heaven to devour them. Notice when you come to verse 10. Satan will be cast into the lake of fire then. Okay? So he's bound. He's released. Last rebellion. And he's going to be cast in the lake of fire. The place is the final abode of rebellious angels. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. Jesus said the lake of fire was created for Satan and his angels in Matthew 25, 41. You remember the uh, threats of Satan to God in Isaiah 14? God had the last word. Listen to him because this is the fulfillment of it. God said, yet you shall be brought down to Sheol to the Lord's depths of the pit, Isaiah 14, 15. We have it right here in Revelation. He's bound and cast in the lake of fire. And so the judgment of Satan will take place before the eternal state. That has to take place. And it happens at the end of the thousand years. Secondly, you have the judgment of the unbeliever. Revelation 20 here, verse 11, down to 15. In verse 11, the particular event is called the white throne judgment. Underline it. It's very important. The white throne judgment is different and distinct from the Bema Seat of Christ for the Christian. The Bema Seat of Christ, as you know, is where Christians are rewarded for their service, their motives, why they did the things they did. 1 Corinthians 3, 12 through 15 is one of them. There's many others. The white throne is for the unbeliever. At the end of the thousand-year reign, Christ recompenses them for their sins. All right? You don't want to be found in the white throne judgment. All right? The permanent record of their lives is in books. Notice in verse 12 there at the end that were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. The books contain the works, the deeds, the sins. Nothing's omitted. He'll miss nothing. The book of life is the register of the saved whose names are found in it. It's mentioned in Philippians 4, 3 and about seven, eight times in the book of Revelation. You want your name to be in the book of life. That means you're saved. Notice verse 14 and 15. The particular event results in the casting in of three things into the lake of fire then. First, death is cast in. Verse 14a. Death is first mentioned by God, as you know, as he warned Adam and Eve about not eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, lest they die. Genesis 2, 16 and 17. Cain was the first to notice this as he killed his brother Abel. Hades is the second thing to be cast in the lake of fire then. As explained earlier, Hades is the Greek word for that temporary place of the unseen for the departed spirits in the New Testament as well as the word shield of the Old Testament. Now, the lake of fires where they're cast in. The lake of fires where rebellious men and rebellious angels will be separated for all eternity. People often say, I'm good enough. I'll take my chances with God. He can judge me for my life. The idea is just a picture of horror. Man does not understand the horror of having to stand before God to be judged for their sins for all eternity. The condition of the dead before the cross is explained in the gospel by Jesus Christ in Luke 16, 19 through 31. Just jot it down. You're familiar with the story of the rich man who died and the beggar Lazarus, right? There's a true account as he's teaching 
the importance and the severity of dying without Jesus Christ. All right? Listen to him well. And I'm going to just kind of summarize the points that are there. He says this in verse 22, 23, and 25 of Luke 16. Hades was divided into two places. He said there's two places. One's the bosom of the Father, the place of comfort. The other place is the place of torment. Okay? Whoever dies goes to one of two places. In verse 26, there, in that division, there's a line, a gulf, that prohibits one to come to the other place. So there's two compartments in the Old Testament, a division, no one can go from one to the other, and one place, those who die in faith and comfort, the other one, place of torment, okay? Then in verse 27 and 28 of that chapter of Luke 16, as you know, the rich man pleads, I have brothers, five brothers, that as they come to this place, he wants to go back and warn them. And he's told, no. Whoever comes here cannot go back. Now, it revealed consciousness, memory, regret, and torment. I'm burning in these flames. Pretty heavy, huh? The hardness of heart to believe is revealed in that passage in verse 29 through 31. When Jesus says they have the Moses, they have the scriptures, if they don't believe them, they won't believe even if someone comes back from the dead. Whoa. Interesting, huh? Can you imagine being in a lake of fire as the rich man was with memory, regret, consciousness? There's nothing you can do about it. You cannot come back from the dead to warn anybody. Those are the words of Jesus. Now the dead who die in faith before and up to the cross were claimed by Jesus. So during the days of Jesus, he explained there's a twofold compartment and they're waiting for me to die and go down there and claim them. And so when Jesus died, 1 Peter 3.19 says that he descended down to Hades and he preached to those who died in faith. And Ephesians 4 8 and 9 says he scooped them up. He left captivity captive. And he took them to heaven. Very, very important that you understand that. Now, the dead since the cross and the resurrection, the minute a Christian dies, they no longer. So Hades has been emptied on one side, right? Because Jesus went down, scooped up in faith, and took him to the third heaven. So now when people die without the Lord, they go to just one compartment of torment. The minute a Christian dies, they're instantly present before the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1 through 8. We're confident to be absent from the body to be present with the Lord. He says it twice. All right? Now, Jesus told the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. Paul uses those terms, third heaven, paradise, synonymously. So Jesus told the thief, I'm going to go down. You'll be with me in paradise. So the bosom of the Father, place of comfort, was paradise for those in faith. When he scooped it up and took it to heaven, now where is paradise? The third heaven. And that's why Paul uses the third heaven and paradise synonymously. Because now the man of Christian dies, he's instantly present before the Lord. And so the wicked remain in hell now. And will be there till the white throne judgment that will take place as verse 11 through 15 has told us. 
And the lake of fire is described as the place of eternal torment before the holy angels, the presence of the Lamb. We've read this before. Listen closely, okay? Revelation 14, 10 through 11. He himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out in full strength with the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. And they have no rest day and night who worship the beast in its image, so on and so forth. Okay? How many voices say forever, day and night? No rest. And by the way, Jesus and the angels run the lake of fire, not Satan. All right? So let's get that straight. Pretty awesome. It's appointed unto man to die once and then the judgment, Hebrews 9, 27. If you don't know Jesus Christ, this is what awaits you. Why, why would you want to go there? As Paul says, we plead with you to turn to God. That you escape the wrath to come. The judgment of the unbeliever will take place before the eternal state. The last thing is the judgment of the heaven and earth. Chapter 21, verse 1 to 8. The new heaven and earth we see in verse 1. The vision is communicated. Now... I saw a new heaven and a new earth. So now, it keeps this chronological order. There are three heavens identified in the scriptures, as you know. The, the heavens where the birds fly, the stellar heavens, the stars and the planets, and the third where God dwells. Three heavens. Not seven heavens, not six heavens, three heavens. The word new is kainos. It means new in quality, not renovation as in the thousand-year reign spoken about in Isaiah 65, 17 through 18. This is new. It's not a renovation. This is the eternal state, which is also identified by Isaiah in Isaiah 65, 20 through 25. So you must make the distinction when Isaiah is talking about, about the future, whether he's talking about the thousand-year reign or the eternal state. And when you don't make a distinction, you put them together. And that's when many have were made a big mistake. The commentary on the vision confirms the time factor. Here's the timeline again. Listen. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There is no mistake. There is a disappearance of the millennial earth and the heavenly order of that day. Now, because they failed to make a distinction between the millennial and the eternal, some teach that this event of the new heaven and the new earth takes place at the beginning of the thousand years. But John specifically here specifies the timeline by telling us that the earth and heaven fled away at the end of the thousand years. Verse 11 has told us now again. Now, notice the particular details of the vision Reconfirms the timeline. Here's the clincher. Listen. Also, there was what? No more sea. Oh. During the thousand year reign, there will be bass fishing and the Dead Sea will be healed. Millennial Kingdom, there'll be great fishing industry. <laughs> the eternal state, no sea. Sorry if you're a surfer, no sea. <laughs> now listen to 2 Peter 3.13. 
Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven, a new earth in which righteousness dwells. This is the eternal state, not the millennial kingdom. People misunderstand 2 Peter. During the millennial kingdom, though there is righteousness, there is still death and there's still sin through people who repopulate the earth. In the eternal state, there's neither sin nor death. You must make that distinction. Now, look at verse 2. The holy city, the new Jerusalem, is given to us. The city in the vision is identified. Then I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem. It is a literal city. It is a city spoken about in the New Testament. Listen, listen. Hebrews 12, 8 through 10 says, Abraham by faith dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country. For he waited for the city which has foundation, whose builder and maker is God. This is the city in the eternal state, not the millennial kingdom. Hebrews 13, 13 through 14. Therefore let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach, for here... We have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. This is the city in the eternal state. The origin of the city in the vision is provided. Coming down out of heaven from God. The city is seen descending out of heaven from God. There are three heavens as we've noted. This was coming down from God. Look at verse 2. The purpose of the city is in the vision is declared, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. As Babylon represented a system, people, and city, so the new city is the abode of the church. The city is symbolic of the bride waiting and prepared for a specific day and person. Jesus said in John 14, 1 3, if I go away, I'll come back to receive you to myself. In my Father's house are many abiding places. <laughs> okay? Now look at verse 3 and 4. The new relationship of God with man. God will literally live among his people. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. The word tabernacle is used for the incarnation of Jesus in John 1.14. God will be with us as before the fall. The reference to this people, plural, indicating Jew and Gentile. Now, during the thousand-year reign, we will be reigning with Jesus. He will be with his people. But there's still sin. After the millennial, when we get into the eternal, then there's no more rebellion. It would be just as God planned before the fall as he walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden. Look at verse 4. God will remove the former things. There should be no more pain, for the former things pass away. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This happens in the eternal kingdom. Isaiah 25, 8 fulfills it. There should be no more death. Isaiah 25, 8, again. 1 Corinthians 15, 26, Paul says. There should be no more sorrow. Isaiah 65, 19. There will be no more crying or pain. This is the eternal kingdom, not the millennial kingdom. Now look at verse 5 and 6. He is the one 
sitting on the throne of total authority and power. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Boom. Verse 6, God declares three things. The completion of the new work. And he said to me, it is done. The proclamation is equivalent to Christ on the cross. It is finished. The identity of the one who did it, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. That's the person of Jesus Christ, Revelation 1.8. The invitation to all, I will give of the fountain of the waters of life freely to him who thirsts. No one's excluded. Isaiah 55.1 puts it this way. Ho. Ho is kind of like, hey, listen. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. In other words, you got to accept it by grace. It's a gift of God. Notice finally in verse 7 and 8, the distinction of who partakes of the new eternal order. Verse 7, the saints live with God for all eternity. The relationship is one of family of God. They are identified as overcomers, Nikau, one who is victorious. The same word is used for the seven churches, the overcomer. They are heirs of the things of God, shall inherit all things. They are one with God. I will be their God. They shall be my son. The abode of the saved will be with their heavenly father by grace through faith, by believing the atoning work of Jesus Christ. Verse 7 is the saints. Verse 8 is the ain'ts. The ain'ts live separated from God for all eternity. The relationship is one of family, the family of Satan. The sharp contrast is marked by the word but. The various life practices that characterize them are listed. The cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murder, the sexually immoral, the sorcerer, the idolater, and all liars. And you can continue the list. The abode of the unsaved is with their father, Satan. The final declaration and confirmation of the abode of the unsaved is stated. Listen carefully. Shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. This is not symbolic. This is literal. The final affirmation of the separation is, which is the second death. The second death. Now, the Lord promised seven things to the churches regarding their eternity at the beginning of this book. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. 2.7. He who overcomes shall not be heard of the second death. 2.11. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone on the stone, a new name written, which no man knows except the one who receives it. 2.17. And he who overcomes and keeps my words until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. 2.26. He who overcomes shall be clothed with white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. 3.5. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar of the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more, and I will write on him in the name of my God, in the name of the city of my God, and the new Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. 3.12. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on the, my throne. And I also, as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. 321. There you have the seven. They overcame by the new birth, by their faith, and by the blood of the Lamb, as Revelation 12, 11 says. And so, after the millennium, 
there is an eternal order. But for it to be inaugurated, these three things have to take place. The judgment of Satan cast into the lake of fire. The judgment of the unbeliever cast into the lake of fire. The judgment of the earth cleansed by fire. Pretty interesting, isn't it? You're going to be there. Pastor Xavier Reese reminds us of what's still to come in the final days. And you can request a copy of today's important study from the book of Revelation called The Eternal State. As always, you can pick up a copy for just $4 on CD. And this message also contains what Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together. So the title to ask for once again is The Eternal State, or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's important that you mention the call letters of this station when you contact us. Heaven is a wonderful place. Find out more when you join Pastor Xavier Reese for the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 